And when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Reading of God's word. God bless you, swimming in here this morning. I'm a... I'm grateful. As someone who has a pond right now, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the rain. I'm grateful for God's rain on us when my soul's dry, too. Um, this morning, we're, uh, we're in the season of Advent, and we're looking as preparing our hearts for this Christmas season. And uh, the season of Advent is a time when we're meant to stop and wait. And we're meant to just wait. And waiting is hard. <laughs> a few years ago, a book came out called 50 Things to Do Before You Die. It was sort of the whole bucket list thing. Uh, there was I don't know when we got into the bucket list things. De- definitely first world issues when you're bucket listing things like they talk about. But they had things in there, like I read it, it was things like skydive and run with the bulls in Pamplona. And I'm thinking, these are like 50 ways to die, <laughs> not 50 things to do before you die. Like, wh- wh- why would I do what? Today we meet somebody who had one thing on his bucket list. One thing. It's all he wanted. How long had Simeon waited for his bucket list to come out? We don't know. It was clearly a long time. 
There's another little tag story just after what Sarah had read about a woman, Anna, who was 84 years old, said she'd been a widow. She'd been married seven years as a young woman. Now she was 84, and between the time of her widowhood and there, she'd been coming to the temple anticipating Messiah coming. So that tag tells me Simeon had been waiting a really long time. And he'd had this promise that he wouldn't die until his bucket list item was done, which was to actually see the Messiah of Israel. Last week, we looked at the hope that we wait with coming out of Malachi, this idea that God is going to send a messenger who's going to tell us about the coming of a king, And that when this king comes, he's going to set everything right, and we're waiting in that hope. And so Israel was hoping in what was going to occur. And so now we stand on the other side of Jesus coming. He came the first time as a baby, the story that we celebrate at Christmas. But we stand in this in-between time because as we read today about the resurrection, We believe Jesus is coming back bodily and that this life is not just linear and all that it is is just people living and dying, that one day God will restore everything the way it should be. And so as we live in the in-between, his first coming and his second coming, we're learning to wait and we're learning to wait in faith. So this morning what I want to talk about is what we learned from Simeon about persevering in faith in the waiting. Persevering in faith in the waiting. So I want to talk about three things that I think we learned from this. First thing is how we see that Jesus is coming to not just change you, but to change everything. The second thing is that we need a persevering faith. It's essential for your Christian life that you get ready to run a marathon. And the third thing is that in the meantime, in the waiting, there's joy to be taken in that waiting. So we're going to look at those three things this morning. When Tom started the service, some of you weren't here when we read the opening uh, Advent reading, but if you've got your Bible, I'll ask you to go to Isaiah chapter 40. That's what he read this morning. And this... uh, This reading, this great prophecy of Isaiah 40, which is a a whole chapter about waiting, but it starts like this. And if you're a fan of Handel's Messiah, we're about to get into the season where this opens uh, that great work. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare's ended her iniquities pardoned. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. See, God is speaking that He's going to change not only individual lives, but all of His people. He's coming to comfort a city and a people that were in distress. Now, when back at Simeon in Luke chapter 2, it's an interesting phrase that it says uh, in verse 25 of Luke 2, this man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, he's righteous and devout, waiting for what? 
the consolation of Israel. He wasn't just waiting for things to get better for him. The word consolation there, when they translated uh, the Old Testament into Greek, they used the same word that that Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort, parakletos. It's the same word. And it means I'm going to come alongside like a tender friend and comfort you in your grief. See, God wants to set things right. And so, here Simeon is waiting for God to change things for his people. The, uh, the characters Simeon and Anna, they're faithful saints who are waiting day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, for God to come. And it is so easy, I think, to look at them and say, yeah, I mean, it, it ain't happening. It's, it's not going to come. I mean, look how long you've been waiting. I, I, my wife's been gone 13 days, and I'm just ready, like, waiting. I know when she's coming back, and it's really hard to wait. If she left and said, well, I'll be back when I, you know, at the, at the appointed time, I will return to you. That would be... <laughs> That would be really hard for me. I'm sorry. Why? Do I not trust her? Do you think God's going to come through in His timing for you? Who's in charge here? I know it can seem like cold comfort when things are tough. But waiting changes us for the good if we wait in faith. Waiting changes us for the bad if we wait in our having to be in charge. Hear this word from Hebrews 11, one of those verses you typically don't find on coffee mugs. It says, all those... He's mentioned all these heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. All of these died in faith without ever receiving any promises. And having seen them, they welcomed them from a long distance away. But they confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. I think that's, in a sense, we see in Simeon and in Anna that idea of perseverance, and yet they both knew and had been promised by a word from the Lord that they would see God coming. They would see Messiah. So this need for a persevering faith, why do I say that? Well, I'm not the first one to say this and won't be the last, but the the Christian life is this sort of marathon that is can be difficult. It can be hard to understand sometimes. And we're sold a bill of goods when we think it's all going to work out in the timing we think in a day, a week, a month that we think if, if that's what you think, you will be disappointed that God has and wants us to persevere with him to the end. In second Peter three, Peter writes to the church that's under persecution, and he says, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing. 
I guess that's what scoffers do. They scoff. Scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires, and they'll say to you, where's the promise of his coming, they'll ask. Ever since our fathers fell asleep, everything continues as it has since the beginning of creation. See, it can be easy to say, well, God, I don't see how you're ever going to come through. This situation remains as it's been for, what, a year? Two years? Five years? Ten years? Simeon, it says about him, he says in verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him, I'd love to know how, but doesn't say, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came into the, in the Spirit in the temple. He came in the power of the Spirit into the temple. How many times had he done that? How many days? We have no idea. Can I tell you it wasn't the first day? He'd walked into the temple in the Spirit. And I want to suggest that waiting on the Lord is a learned skill. Doing it with perseverance, doing it with joy. Why is it then so hard? Why is it hard to wait on the Lord? Let me just offer from my own, this this is not... I'm not giving you Bible verse and chapter on these. Let me just tell you, maybe this is true for you, or maybe it's just true for me, but here's why. When I wait on the Lord, when I don't see what I'd like to see happen in our world, I look around at the brokenness, the injustice, or or all that, and I just think, how long, O Lord, why? I have to give up control that my timing and God's timing are not necessarily the same. So waiting's hard because it gets me out of the God seat and it puts, I have to explicitly put God there. I think the second thing we need to appreciate about waiting is that thinking waiting is doing nothing or just praying, that's all you do when you're waiting, is just, oh God, please come through. I think we don't understand. What was Simeon doing in the waiting? Was he doing nothing? Let's see. First, it says, this man Simeon was righteous and devout. What does that mean? It means he was doing what he knows he needed to do to walk in the power of the Spirit, to do the commands of the Lord. What So he was doing something. Do you think it's easy to just do what God's called you to do when things aren't happening? When he says, look, I know you promised me that this is going to work out, Lord. I know you promised me that before I go, I'll see the Messiah. But in the meantime, I'll walk in devotion and in righteousness to you. That's called faith. And God says, with that, faith is like the currency of the kingdom. Faith's like the money you spend in the kingdom. It's how we sort of buy and sell. It's by our faith. And so we believe that God will do for us as He has ordained 
as we trust in him. So here he is being righteous and devout. And then the second thing is he's coming to the temple daily. Again, I don't know how many days he came. Can I just suggest it was many, many days? Some of you have prayed for people you love, maybe your kids or, or others, and you're just like, ah, I, don't, I don't see anything. Well, I can't make a promise of what God's going to do, but what I can say is that if you just give up prior to when God is able to work, we won't see what God wants us to see. And here he is coming every day to the temple. Can you imagine the faith to walk around? I don't know exactly what it looked like, but you know the Temple Mount, this large open area with people milling around, and especially at a time when people are coming making sacrifices. Can you imagine this guy just looking around for years and years trying to find, Lord, I'm I'm here, I'm in the Spirit. I'm walking around just seeing, where are you, God? What are you doing? Is it today? Is Messiah here today? Was he discouraged every day he left? And no, just another day with nothing. Or was it the idea of, well, God, tomorrow, maybe the day. You might come tomorrow, Jesus. I don't know. He didn't know it was Jesus, but. So he comes again and again and again coming to the temple, looking with expectancy. And then comes that day. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, verse 27, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for Jesus according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, a bucket list is done. Now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, my eyes have seen your salvation. How did he know? doesn't say. But how did he know? Here, here this eight-day-old baby is, and he's holding him in his arms, and he's saying, Lord, what can we get our arms around the fact that the God who created the entire world, universe, everything is being held in the arms of an old man who'd been looking for the comfort of Israel, who'd been looking for the one to set all things right, and God trusts himself in the arms of this elderly man, the created staring into the face of the creator as a baby and saying, That's it. It's done. Was it? Actually, no. Here's faith. Simeon knew before, because because the Lord had spoken and because he trusted in the word that had come for the Old Old Testament and had been for many years, he trusted in the Lord and he saw Jesus coming and Jesus hadn't even lived his life and done the ministry yet. Right? He hadn't died for your sins, Simeon's sins, or anybody's at that point. He hadn't lived a righteous life. He hadn't done everything. And yet he says, in my mind, it's, it's all done. My eyes have seen your salvation. You've prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles, not just for the Jews, but to everybody. And glory to your people, Israel. 
says, I, I know you're going to come through. I know you are who you say you are. <clears throat> Developing your trust muscles as a Christian is one of the hardest things. If, if it was like, oh, well, I just say something and snap and, you know, boy, that person comes to faith or that person is now free from the bondage. Hey, great. Sometimes it may have seemed like, like for Jesus, that was the way it was. Jesus was, what, Jesus waited on the Lord? He goes and renews his strength with his father. We develop our trust muscles by being quiet, by being diligent and persistent in trusting God and by being expectant that he will work. I want to just end with this verse from Hebrews. Because as I've shared with you a number of times, um, I, I love the thought of running long distances. It's very inspiring. I can preach on it forever. Actually running, I don't do because it's tiring and because I just stop because it hurts. I'm just telling you. I have to be really frustrated. I go out and run when I need to relieve frustration. I have to be super frustrated to want to hurt that much. (laughs) Here's what what, uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us. Therefore, this is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We look to Jesus, just like Simeon did. He looked at Jesus, the author or the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you don't grow weary and faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. What was the joy set before Jesus? I'm guessing the glory of his Father and the love of us. You need a joy. You need a joy to keep going. And Advent tells us that in the waiting, and as we wait, And as we trust and as we believe, Lord, we can actually be strengthened, not just frustrated. What's the joy set before you that you'll be able to endure? Well, I hope that like Simeon, we can say, you know what? I'm waiting because I'm going to see Jesus. Here's the, the great thing is that Simeon had the faith. Messiah hadn't yet come when he was doing that. Messiah's come. I got news for you. Messiah's come. The Christian faith is that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, came to earth, lived as we should have lived, died the death we should have died, lives for you, loves you more than you can possibly imagine, and is going to come again to set everything right. 
And he asks for you and for me in the meantime to be like Simeon and to walk faithfully, to walk as righteously, and to look look for Jesus at every opportunity. Look for him. Look for his coming again. We don't know when. But he is. And it will be good. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have given us your word and that like Simeon took a hold of your word and he banked on it and he looked for expectancy knowing you would be true to your word, that Lord, we have an even more sure foundation because Lord, we see in your coming and in your death and resurrection the fulfillment of this part of the story. So, Lord, would you fill us with persistent faith? And as we wait, Lord, as we hope, as we have patience, that we would turn over to you the things that we want to control. Lord, it's so easy to think we can help you out by acting without direction and unlike Simeon, by walking not according to the Spirit, but according to the flesh, by doing what we think is right and best, and we end up seeing the birth of Ishmael rather than Isaac. Lord, teach us not to help you out, but to wait on you like a waiter waits on tables, ready to see you and to be near you and next to you and serving you, Lord. Father, I thank you that we have a sure promise and foundation. Not only that you came once, but that you're coming again.